Hello, everybody. Spring is in the air. Our cars are defrosting, and it's time to get back to work. I am Jay Ward, joined by our great producer, Matt Strauss. And I'm Wayne Carini, and we are talking classic cars. Oh, yeah, and we've got a lot coming up today. Not necessarily a guest, but just a lot to talk about. So let's just jump right into it with some brake chatter. All right. Um, so, Jay, it's been a tough couple of weeks, but... Uh... Our friend Eric Zausner passed away a little while ago. Such a fantastic guy. Wrote a huge book on spin disease. And they had a pig roast. And that's the first time I'd met Eric was at the pig roast. So how did that go? Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Eric Zausner was this larger-than-life guy in so many ways. He had a fantastic car collection, including some beautiful Ferraris. He had a number of cars built by Steve Mole. But he's probably best known for his large collection of Vendizies, or what we call tether cars. And for those of you who don't know, those are 1940s, 30s, 40s era cars that were ran on a steel tether or sometimes in a wooden channel. And, and these cars were, let's say, one-fifth or one-sixth scale cars that work incredibly fast. Pneumatic tires, gasoline engines. And Eric Zausner had the largest collection in the world of them. And every year he would host a pig roast, which Wayne and I actually met at That's a right. pig roast we met when other. Wayne was filming Chasing Classic Cars. Yeah. I think it was California Dream in episode season eight. You got it. Boy, you're good. Yeah. And that's when we met. I drove my old roaster there and Wayne was like, hey, who owns this little old jalopy? And I said, ah, that's me. And so we we became fast friends after that. So we'll always have to thank uh, Eric Zausner for bringing us together. Yeah. And yes, he he passed away recently. Yeah. What a, what a terrible thing. Eric and I had conversed about a week before his passing and and I love that man. He was he was just a great person, great car guy. So and built a lot of high rods with our friend Steve Mole. So good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And not to be on too much of a downer note, but we also lost Bob Ingram uh, in yeah. the past week as well from cancer. For those of you who don't know Bob Ingram or Road Scholars, massive Porsche collector. He started out in the pharmaceutical industry, made a lot of money doing that, and really had a love of Porsche history and collected some of the most jaw-dropping classic original Porsches of the 50s and 60s and 70s of anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. And luckily his son, um, Cam Ingram, is going to be carrying yeah. on that legacy. Cam was going to carry it on. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So um, what else we've been doing? Uh, I'm heading out next week to the Charlotte Motor Speedway to the Heritage, it's called, the Smith Heritage. Uh, we're putting on a little concourse there of 20 really exotic and really fantastic cars. Um, and it's going to be amongst the uh, spring event that they hold at the track, right at the uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. And uh, the AACA holds their event there, their spring meet. And then there's a big flea market car show. And to be part of that, Ray Everham asked me to help him put together this great car show um, of 20 cars, really exotic and uh, spectacular classics. So Ralph Morano's going, Paul Gould, a bunch of us are going down. Uh, we're going to get a a tour of Hendrick's uh, collection on Friday. Great and collection. Then, yeah, Rob Kaufman's collection uh, Friday afternoon. And uh, going to go to the flea market and stuff. So watch out. I got I have a car there with a big trunk, so I can take a lot of stuff home. You know? I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm going to say it right now. I'm a little, I'm going to, might have to guilt trip Ray a little bit that Matt and I didn't get an invite to this yeah, deal. This well, sounds like a really fun time. We're just setting this up. So uh, next year, you'll definitely get an invite to, uh, the, the Smith uh, family wants to really put on a really great event and maybe move it around to all the different tracks that they own. So um, it's going to be fun. And I'm so happy that Ray asked me to do that. And then we're working yeah. on the Audrayan. Um, so in a couple more weeks, we're going to have the uh, the uh, classic race 
with the Audrean Museum and the Audrean people uh, from Newport um, up to Bristol, Rhode Island. Um, and so that's for the veteran cars, 19, I think they are limited to 1908 and earlier. So I'm going to 1908 be... and earlier. Right. So for those of you who don't know, this is kind of based on a very classic run that they do in England, right? The, the uh, London, London to Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, London to Brighton. And, so, and when you have a car from that era, you're talking 20 horsepower, maybe 30 would be a big horsepower um, car. My car's got five horsepower. Five a, horsepower. A raving yeah. five horsepower. You know, I got 1901 Oldsmobile Curve Dash uh, Model R. So uh, um, R for race. So, oh. <laughs> you know. Last year, Ralph Morano and I did that tour together, and uh, we were going up a hill, and there was a gentleman jogging, and he pulled up next to us, and we're going up the hill, and he's asking us all about the car, and he says, well, I got to get going, guys, see ya, and he put it in fourth gear, and he just took <laughs> off, and we're just chugging up the hill, and he left us in the dust. So he slowed down while he was yeah, running he, to talk to you he, about he, your car that was at full speed. He did. He slowed down, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can watch a YouTube channel video of that at the Wayne Carini official channel. Um, and, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about with the Oldsmobile. But I got to say today, actually today that I'm, I'm doing this, um, we got it in the shop and we got it dialed in. So found a couple of things wrong with it, uh, dialed it in a little more. And I got a feeling I'm going to pass the jogger, uh, this time. So we, we have to dial in a, uh, that exact jogger. I know where he's located. So we're going to try to contact him and see who beats the other one. To the top of the hill. You're going to call him out. We're going to call him out for a race, Matt. You know, <laughs> there's no sense in leaving, you know, crumbs on the table here. This is going to be official. Who's going to make it to the top of the hill first gets the big trophy. Oh, that'd be great. So that's, that's going on. And we're going to uh three dog garage. Uh, there's a, there's a little thing for Ed Pink, right? a dinner oh, yeah. for Ed Pink uh, on Friday night. And then um, uh, we're going to go to uh, Myers Garage, Three Dog Garage, and see some hot rods and some collectible cars there on Saturday. So, yeah, the the calendar's filled up, and uh, we're having know, nothing but car too. fun. That's for sure. Yeah. I just got back from the uh, Porsche Cars North America, which is based in Atlanta, Georgia. They just expanded their facility. And what they added was they always had a classic center that had like four bays. They've now got like 10 or 15 bay Porsche classic restoration center. So let's say you own your dad's old 911E and you want to put it back to exactly like it was in 1969, or maybe you want to change it to a different color, or maybe you want to put a bigger, these guys do everything from soup to nuts on classic Porsches. And now they've got an ex a uh, classic center that really rivals the one in Germany. So, so is they that, really expanded it. Is that the facility when you're landing at Atlanta Airport, you're able to see it? Absolutely. Yeah, I've, right I've next to Atlanta Airport. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty cool facility, that's for sure. Yeah, they also added, so they always had a track that was kind of cradled between a highway and the airport. Now they've done another track off to the side. And what they did was they put together what I would call a greatest hits track. So it's got the carousel from the Nürburgring. It's got a corkscrew like Laguna Seca. And they put this all into one circuit. And then there's some technical stuff in the middle. Like there's a thing they call an ice hill where they water it down and it's made with a slick ceramic surface. And you have to drive the car up and throttle, you know, control and throttle modulate to get up the hill and wow. back down. So there's that kind of stuff in the middle. So you learn car control. And then there's the racetrack on the outside. I hope there's a lot of safer barriers on that uh, ice track. <laughs> yeah, they know <laughs> what they're doing. It could be out of control. I yeah. saw I saw a little bit of that. That really looked interesting. And what what car were they uh, demonstrating or they were unveiling? What was that yeah. new car? 
Yeah. So I got a ride in the brand new, uh, their new EV race car that they're hoping as these Porsche Cup racers kind of age out or, or time out with the 911s and they want to move into EV racing. What they've done is basically taken a GT4, which is a Cayman, and made a GT4E performance. Mm -hmm. And we got two laps in the track riding shotgun with the guy. And you're basically strapped down to this rocket. It's a full-size RC car. And I mean, the torque is brutal in this thing. It has straight cut gears. You can't even hear yourself talk. It was it was really something else. So for those people that are, are going to lose uh, the, the thought of losing the uh, engine sound, there's other things that you can listen to, like gears. And gears are more fun sometimes than engine sounds. And of course, then you're going to have the electric motor with that whining sound uh, filled in with the gear sound. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. It was wild. I, I can't tell you that I, I, there was not a moment of boredom or like, this is lame. I was literally smiling and my teeth dried out from smiling yeah. so much going around the corners. That's so cool. That's so cool. And speaking of electric cars, you know what I was driving last week? A new car! A Lightning What's pickup that? truck. Oh, that's yeah. a great the truck. The Ford Lightning. It was the first Ford Lightning that I'd uh, driven. And I got to tell you, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of did fun. Did you stomp on it? Oh, we certainly did. Connor and I got out there and we were squealing at tires. But I got to tell you, I love EV and I love the, the propulsion of an electric vehicle. But we had a Raptor a couple of weeks before, Raptor oh, R. Man. Now that's something. I mean, when you've yeah. stomped your foot down and the, and the tires are, are squealing and smoking on the truck, and then it hits second gear and it squeals, and it hits third gear and it gets a chirp. That's cool. So it, there's a little bit of conflict in my life uh, from from gas-powered uh, to EV-powered, but i tell you what, they're both exciting vehicles to drive. Um, the one thing I didn't like about the, the Lightning, though, was they have such um, all these innovative ideas and all this great electronics, but the shifter is clunky. I mean, you can't even get it into reverse or first gear. It's like driving a tractor. I don't know what's up with that, but they, they've got to improve on a couple of things. But in general, the truck was a blast to drive. Yeah. And it's got the frunk. So you open up where the hood would be. And there's another 14 cubic feet of storage space in the front of the vehicle. That's right. What, that and Connor amazing. and I were taking the garbage down the other day from the house. And uh, he found out that the tailgate opens and closes with a button on the dash. So, it does. of course, he had to get out his side, go out and push the button for the tailgate to open, throw the trash out, come over, push the button again. He's got to do the buttons. So. Oh, yeah. But that's good. Yeah, that's an option on a Raptor as well. Yeah. Um, you can get that electric tailgate on almost all of the Fords now. They're, they're, they're killing it. I had the, um, the Bronco Everglades Sasquatch edition a few weeks ago yeah. that had the winch on the front and the huge tires and the off-road package and an air snorkel. I mean, and, you know, they, people are waiting two years to get Broncos oh right God. now. I mean, that's it's unreal. just crazy. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And what do you think about this new Dodge thing? I mean, so we've got the new Demon, um, Mm -hmm. the replacement for the Demon, and supposedly it's got a thousand horsepower. um, And there are a little over a hundred thousand. I think there are 106,000. And I heard last week that the dealers were asking 200,000 over list for these cars. Some were asking 50, some a hundred as much as $200,000 and Dodge heard about that. And they finally stepped in and they put the squash on it. I don't know what they're going to be able to do, but yeah. uh, to, to stop that, I know that when Ferrari had that going on with the, um, with the Enzo um, where you could actually buy the car and, and then they were flipping them. People were flipping them and making a million dollars on the car. 
Ferrari yeah. said yes, but what we're going to do is we're going to lease you the car for two years, so you'll not be able to to sell it in two years. But th they didn't fully think the process out, so a lot of people were creating LLCs, and the only asset of the LLC was the car. So they weren't really selling the car; they were selling the LLC. Oh, uh, and I'm smart. So so. <laughs> That went always on. Always a way around. Yeah, there was always a way around. But, uh, wow. you know, you, you hate to see. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine call me and ask me, should I buy one at, at like a $200,000 over list? I said, what are you, crazy? The that, Dodge Demon? Yeah, that's that's whatever that the model number is. I think it's the L700 or something like that. Oh, yeah, so, the 170. 170, one. whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a fabulous car, and it's the end of an era, you know, with all this horsepower and stuff is what they say because they're going to go all electric. But yeah, um, it's a little crazy. Yeah, I feel like we're still coming out of the shortages that we had. I think there's still waiting lists for some cars. It feels like some stuff is still getting marked up more than it should. It feels like it's starting to get better in, on the used car side. Yeah. But what are you seeing out there when you're when you're in your world of F40 and everything you're doing in terms of the car market? We just tried to sell a Jag this afternoon uh, before I got on the air with you. Um, it's a consignment car, and uh, we, the person that owns the car still thinks it's worth what it was worth a year and a half ago, and, mm -hmm. and the market's come down. I mean, you know, the we look at the market and what the trends are, and some of these cars were losing thirty to twenty to thirty percent, or other cars like look at look at the Dino Ferrari, they're surpassing Daytonas. In price, yeah. So the yeah. market is changing, in that the buyer is changing. It's not so much the market in general; it's the buyer and what they want and what they're looking yeah. for. And so things change, and and there's a constant flow of of what what's going on in the marketplace. Um, we all hope that uh, everything straightens out pretty soon with our economy and what's going on. Um, but yet, the car market's strong, but yet the prices aren't there what they used to be. That's a good transition music, Matt. So, so, Jay, what's going on in the old car world? What's going on with that Healy you just bought? Yeah, so I haven't, don't know if I've caught everybody up, but I picked up a 1953 Austin Healy 100 that somebody wedged a small block Chevy in. And these were sometimes called the poor man's AC Cobra. Um, I didn't know that much about Healy's. I knew I liked them. I knew I wanted to lay down windscreen Healy which was the early ones, I think up through 59, the windshield laid down. But the cool thing is only 53s and early 54s have an, have an aluminum hood, an aluminum bonnet, if you will, and, and an aluminum deck lid. So this car is, the whole center of the car is all alloy. Only the, the fenders are, are steel. And it's a pretty stock looking car. It's got the original wheels, original rear end, drum brakes, but it's got a small block wedged in it and a five speed. And it, it runs, it drives, but the guy didn't really finish things very well. The wiring is kind of a rat's nest. There's little, you know, good enough was good enough for him. So I'm kind of slowly, I don't want to get in over my head, but I want to make the car that I can jump in and hop down and go down to Monterey and have fun. But I want to leave the rowdy kind of raw character of the car too. So I'm trying to find that balance. I think probably picking up like a eight circuit wiring harness from Speedway would be a start and just do a clean, fresh wiring harness so that I know that everything worked electrically. And then just sympathetically work my way through the car. You got you know, any advice, Wayne? The safe way to do that, if you want to go to Monterey, is you have a flatbed follow you. <laughs> you know you're going to you. make it eventually. Come <laughs> on, it's got a small block. That thing I know, die. I know, but it's the electrics. It's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The fuel pump. You, hopefully you got a 
you know, not a Lucas fuel pump that you got to get out oh. and tap it with a hammer to get the points to go. There's all I, sorts I of little quirks. There. Oh, yeah. I got underneath it yesterday and said, all right, what's going on? Why is there this weird binding sound that we're in? One of the shock, you know, it has the, the knee lever shock and one of them's just hanging there. It's not even hooked up to the rear end. So I've only got a shock on one side. That's right. And I go to the front, I'm looking at the radiator, and he took a block of wood and wedged it underneath the radiator. And I go, oh, Lord, what what, what have I not seen yet on this car? That's what's scaring me. Well, that's good stuff. I mean, you know, you can, you can work with that. But what's yeah. really cool, I mean, the car looks great. I've seen some pictures of it. It looks fantastic. And to yeah. start it up and have that rumble of the V8 in there, I mean, that's that's cool. I love 100Ms and 104s, you know, because of the lay-down windshield and it doesn't have any roll-up windows and the dash yeah. is so simple. It's a, it's a true sports car. It but is, then to it have is. it with with a, a lot of power that you you have no idea what to do with all that power because you can't stop. Um, no. It's it's so much extra weight in the front that you're trying to go around a corner that you normally would go around, but it's sort of plowing into the corner. But it's yeah. cool. I mean, yeah. you know, it's an unpredictable um, car, and and we yeah. like unpredictability because it's always a challenge. Yeah. Luckily, he pushed the engine far enough back against the firewall that I feel like it's not too nose heavy. Got that right. Okay. And the motor's mounted well, and the transmission tunnel is a work of art. Somebody did this fabbed uh, transmission tunnel for the five-speed that looks great, but everything else is a dog's breakfast. Yeah. Well, so. what you're going to have to do in that car is make sure that you wear your shorts, and, and there's always, you know, like a whole bucket of water to pull, because that engine is going to pour the heat into that cabin. It's going to be really, so it's going to be a great car for fall driving in the Northeast. <laughs> But that's about it. <laughs> you really got me excited about yeah. this car, Wayne, I got to tell you. Yeah, well, I've had a few of those, you know, put together with duct tape and some chewing gum. and, and uh, But but you know what? It's it's really cool. It's, it's, it's a, half the it's fun. A, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah. What about you? What's going on in F40? Have you got anything new in the shop that's kind of exciting? F40's doing really good. I mean, we got all sorts of new projects going on. We, we're finishing up an Edwards for uh, for Pebble Beach. And so that's, oh, that's kind of cool. That's a fiberglass sports car. Fiberglass right? sports car that was made in San Francisco by Mr. Edwards, who owned a big cable company. Uh, the cables that hold bridges together, that kind of yeah. cable, not your not your uh, cable for your computer, but a big cable. Um, yeah. So he decided to build cars. He built eight cars, and uh, so Mr. Edwards uh, that I restore some cars for and have done some work for in the past from Texas got a hold of me and said, "I'd like to have a car with my name on it." Saying, not well, related. Not related. And I said, well, uh -huh. oh, there's only one of those. And he says, I know. I want one of those. And I want to go to Pebble Beach. And I want to have a car in the lawn at Pebble Beach with my name on it. So we found two weeks later comes out the uh, RM catalog for an auction right in, in Newport Beach, California. It was a, a collector. And he had an Edwards. He had the very first prototype convertible. And wow. we bought it at auction. And we've been restoring it. We we sent in our application for Pebble Beach and we got accepted. And so we're really excited. He's super excited because he's been a muscle car guy his whole life. He, he's owned the biggest uh, wing car collection, being the Roadrunners and the, and the Dodge Daytonas and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And um, But yet now he's changing course um, and he's going towards more classic cars. So uh, we're, we're excited for him. He's going to go on the tour with the car. This car was built on a Henry J chassis with mm -hmm. a Oldsmobile Rocket 88 engine in it. Oh, it's got a 303 rocket. Yeah, in it. Okay. it's got a rocket. So uh, kind of a cool car. 
So, and the Edwards raced at the Pebble Beach Road Races, the first ones in 1950, right? Yes, and so the, and and won. So that car uh, set the the standard for every other car from now on. It has to do with Pebble Beach. It was called the R21, and the R21 uh, originally had a Jaguar engine in it, and it uh, it raced at Pebble Beach and won the Pebble Beach inaugural uh, race, and then won the inaugural Concorde Elegance the next day. So wow. it's a very famous car. It was in the Leroy Hartung collection out in Chicago. And I tried That's to the buy- the car your client got. No, no, this, is, this, this was uh, a car before that. So this was okay. a, a car that they sort of were playing around with. And then they started making what was called the Edwards America. And, okay. that, and that's the car we have. But uh, wow. yeah, that, that car was bought by a, a collector and I've been trying to buy it. And he thinks it's worth about three times as much as I'm willing to pay. So um, maybe we'll that's buy it someday. How do you ever figure out the market on something like an Edwards where they made eight of them? How do you, you know, your client, Mr. Edwards says, I want an Edwards. And do you tell him you better have X amount ready or we'll see, or how does that work? Well, I mean, uh, you look at the market, what, what they've been selling for. So in the past, there was a few sales uh, of a, a couple of Edwards. They made, um, I think they made six, six convertibles and two coupes, hmm. a total of eight. And, um, you know, following that market and what's what's going on, of course, then then going up uh, according to the uh, cost of living increases, you try to figure that out. Um, mm -hmm. But as, as far as the R twenty one, it's the only one. It was at the Leroy Hartung collection. I tried to buy it, and it, but nobody could verify that it was the car that that raced at Pebble Beach or won Pebble Beach, and so people laid back. And I could have bought that car for about $120,000 at that time. When I paid $55,000 for a stupid motorcycle, I could have bought the car for double that. But yet uh, I didn't do it. And now I regret it. So those are the things, you know, that you, you think about and you regret some things down the road. Uh, but so that's exciting. Um, we've, we've got uh, all sorts of great projects in the shop, though. Uh, we just got an L88 Corvette in uh, that's been out of sight for about 35 years. What year? Uh, 69. 69. Yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, that's going to be, uh, we're going to get that going again and then sell it uh, for the client. So, okay. yeah. And then we got the Cadillac uh, that we're doing, Brooke Stevens Cadillac. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. We're doing one of those. Um, we are doing a Maserati, a, 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 a Rolls Royce Playboy Roadster, uh, 330 GTS, 330 GTC Ferraris. Um, yeah. We just did a cool car, a Stutz um, boat tail. Um, for a good client that wants to just run it. It's uh, got the uh, DB32 engine in, the twin overhead cam engine with 32 valves. So yeah, that's that's a cool you, car too. We got all sorts of great projects. Yeah, you guys have such a range uh, at the shop from the 30s through the 60s, and it really is a different mechanical skill set. Do you have somebody in the shop who's like, this is your brass era guy, this is your 30s guy, this is your 60s Ferrari guy. How do, how do you divvy that kind of work up? Well, what we, it's, it's basically common sense and, and, you know, gas, spark, and compression. If you've got those three things, it's going to run. It may not run well, but it's going to run. And then you can figure it out from there. And, and then we know everybody, you know, all the certain people that we can call for advice and what mm -hmm. to do. I mean, um, I've got my 01 Oldsmobile. We're trying to dial it in for this, for this, uh, a Drayan tour, and Evan I gave me some good pointers the other day. He says, uh, bring four spark plugs with you. Why? Every time you spark, you stop, change the spark plug. 
because it's going to give you a brighter spark and the car is going to run so much better if you just change the spark plug. It's one spark plug. So, <laughs> right. And it doesn't then, take that it, long. It doesn't take that long at all. You know, just got to let the car cool down for a couple of minutes. So there's all sorts of little pointers like that to, that you learn from friends and colleagues. And yeah, uh, yeah so we've, we've got, we work on a lot of cars, you know, from 1900 all the way to brand new stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is amazing. If you get a chance, it's and you're in that area, it's definitely worth seeing your shop walking. And the showroom's open, right? People can showrooms walk in there and open. Showrooms open, and the shop is, uh, you know, we chain it off in the summer, but you can look in the doors. Uh, we used to have a lot of people wandering in, and next thing you know, we're not getting any work done during right. the course of the day because everybody wants to talk and sit that in the was cars. My fault. Oh, that's Sorry okay. That. That's all right. Let's talk about uh, the Mark Smith collection, uh, talking about classic cars. That that went up for sale today, and there was some great stuff. Now, I didn't know Mark Smith. I knew he had this collection in an old Chrysler building where he displayed the cars, but I never went there. But, boy, his stuff was great. I really liked Mark a lot because um, we thought on the same type of cars. We, we had the same train of thought with uh, original cars, trying to preserve the cars and not restore them. Mark was yeah. a big collector of originality, loved that kind of stuff. Every time I'd, I'd go to Hershey, I'd walk around with Mark and learn a lot of things. I mean, he was a mountain of knowledge, that's for sure. Um, the one car, though, in his collection that I think the world wanted was the 32 Chrysler. And, and mm -hmm. it had the windshield about three inches tall in the, in the top. I mean, oh, my God, it's this massive car with this small oh. windshield and small top on it. It was at Pebble, I think it was three years ago. And, okay. And uh, preservation class. Preservation class. Just yeah. oh my god, and and it sold. Uh, I followed that today. One point four five million, um, and hopefully the new owner will not restore it. Yeah. But it's it's a new owner, and see what happens. You know, Mark yeah. showed it once, and everybody went crazy for it. He had such a great eye for that kind of of car. Um, I, I remember I went down to Dragons one day. They had a white little coupe, and uh, I think it was nineteen eleven, and uh, I wanted to not play my hand with with Manny or George or Alex. So I sort of casually walked in and look at all the other cars. I said, so tell me about this white. And you go, oh, we just sold it to Mark Smith. So I was down there, I was dancing around and stuff when the car was already sold. So we, we both had the same eye for cars. That's amazing. Yeah, white, white car company, which went away back in the teens, right? White yeah, didn't even make it yeah. into the 20s. Yeah, but they, they, were, they were great cars. That uh, Chrysler you're talking about, literally looked like Cruella DeVille's car from yeah, Dalmatians, right? Yeah, they you're really right. Did. You're right. It, it, yeah. it had that look, you know. That's the kind of look we all strive for, especially in hot rods. You know, we when we have the opportunity to, um, you know, customize a car or alter it to make it look cool, I always yeah. put big wheels on it, you know, and, and tuck them un underneath the car. And then got that roof has got to be chopped and the car's got to look like it's moving forward standing still. And that, yeah. that Chrysler had that look. It's called Stance, stance. and Attitude. That's what and it that is. car had both. It that's, had Stance and it had Attitude. That's right. What a great car. What a great car. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. He he had a um he had a Pierce Arrow Travel Lodge, which I love those trailers. Yeah, those I remember of you that? don't know Pierce Arrow made Travel Lodge trailers and they were the they were the Rolls-Royce of trailers. They're beautiful and they're rare and he had a nice original one that needed everything, but it was original. So Pierce uh, made uh, Basically, they made trucks and they also made cars. It was just one of those companies. Instead of saying we make cars and then we make trucks too, it was the opposite. They made more trucks mm. than cars. And they had a truck that pulled the motorhome, but then they made a, like a fifth wheel motorhome that went behind the truck. 
and it was beautiful inside for the 30s. I mean, my gosh, it was yeah. all the luxuries of home that you look at today. They had it back then. Yeah, people always think Airstream, Airstream, which Airstream's great, but there were these other brands that were fantastic in that time. Bolus is one that just came back in, but the first time I saw a Pierce trailer was Dick Coon's collection. Remember up in Detroit area? Yeah. And he he had the, the what was it called? The Car Rail Museum. It was toy trains and cars. Wow. And he had a beautiful Pierce Arrow, I mean, trailer that was 100%. It was just amazing. Of our uh, listeners that don't know, Pierce Arrow actually started with bicycles, just like a lot of car companies. You know, we had the Pope Hartford in Hartford. They started with Columbia bicycles and went into Pope's and then went into Pope automobiles. So uh, bicycles were a, a big forge forward and, and motorcycles too. Uh, Indians made uh, bicycles. And bicycles, went in. Harley made bicycles. Bicycles too, yeah. You know who we need to have on the show that is a huge bicycle nut, big bicycle collector that's a friend of yours and mine, Chip Foose. Chip, yeah, he loves he has bicycles. He's really gotten into collecting bicycles over the last 10 years, especially, and his collection is phenomenal. So wow. we've got to have Chip on the show just to talk about bicycles, if nothing else. My father collected bicycles in the dump. So he would go to the dump and collect bicycles. So as he got older, that was his passion, collecting bicycles. And he had over 400 bicycles at one time, of which I had to, I had to get rid of when he passed away, about 200 of them myself. But wow. uh, he would give them away to charities, to different organizations. Uh, to police departments that gave them away to kids. And so it was, it was his way of giving back. Um, and then he gave away a lot of them to um, bicycle uh, loaner uh, down in New York City. They put the bicycles on the street and anybody could just pick one up and ride it and, and put it at the next station for somebody else to use. So, Oh, these weren't classic, but these, these no, were not collectible bicycles. They, they, they were just regular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have, though, I, I have a Pope uh, high wheel in my collection. Um, okay. and, and that those are really something. Mm. I, I almost killed myself yeah. once riding that and trying to get Those off of dangerous. it. Yeah, it's dangerous. I've got my dad's 1895 Waverly, which were made in Chicago, a Waverly from 1895 women's bicycle. And people say, women's bicycle, how are they different? It had a step-down frame so the woman could wear a dress. Mm -hmm. It had a chain guard. The mint bikes didn't have chain guards. Um, and it had uh, full fenders and it had wood, of course, 1895. It had wood rims and had that spoon break, but they are just works of art. That, yeah. that era of bicycle is just beautiful. I had uh, I had one once that had a drive shaft on it with mm. gears. So yeah, uh, uh, gears on the pedals, and then it went back to the rear wheel with gears and, and driven by a drive shaft, just like a car. And speaking of what's, what's in the shop or what's coming out of the shop, Matt, you have a couple big, beautiful Mercedes. For people who don't know, Matt is a, is a classic Mercedes man. We're talking big Mercedes, 300s, 600s. <laughs> Matt, um, you took a shot the other day of your cars pulled out, kind of getting warmed up in the Vermont sun. Tell, tell a little bit about your, your cars that you yeah, pulled out. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was uh, the sort of flagship twins, you could say. One of them was a 1960 Mercedes 300D, uh, other, sometimes known as the Adenauer. Um, um, mm. and the other car was a 1970 600 short wheelbase, which is, uh, even a short wheelbase 600 is a lot of car. Um, it's a big yeah, car. It's, uh, it's, a, big it's car. a big car. Is yours a divider window in the middle? Yeah. Yep. No divider. It's probably because of short wheelbase, probably it, no divider. They, they on short wheelbase. I was going to say, you can almost hear Elvis Presley rolling around in his grave a little bit when he heard Mercedes 600, he started to come up out of the grave. For that. <laughs> you know, interestingly, when I bought that car, I bought that car at an auction and in the trunk of the car was a placard that said, said that this was Elvis's car. Although I really don't believe it. I just don't, there's no way it could have been. You, you just don't know. <laughs> one, one could have, I mean, he bought so many cars. And he yeah. gave so many cars away. I mean, you know, if he liked you, 
you know, you didn't get a $10 tip, you got a car. He did do things like that. Uh, woman at yep. the cafe, the way your dad gave away bicycles That's when right. Elvis gave away cars. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And down, yeah. down in the, in the museum, down, down in um, Mississippi that we had uh, sold all their collection. It was the Lincoln Continental that he'd given to the head of security in Denver. Every time he would come into Denver to do the show, the head of security in the, in the city, the chief of police would come and make sure that Elvis was safe. So he gave him a Lincoln Continental Mark III. Wow. So, yeah, wow. I mean, he gave away a lot of cars. I know this is not part of the show, but I'm going to tell you guys a quick Elvis story. So my friend's father played the drums for Elvis in the later years. We're talking 76, 77, played, played drums for him for a while. And he said Elvis in those years was just so into his own thing, doing his own way. And he just, reality was a different thing for him. Mm. And he said one night, he said, you get a call from him at any hour and you just picked up, mm. you know, just whatever he wanted to do. You're just like, yep, let's go. Let's go. And um, he said he got a call at like three in the morning and Elvis said, we're going to go get some peanut butter and banana sandwiches. And he says, okay, Elvis, it's three in the morning. He says, yeah, just come on over to the house. Goes to the house. They've got the hound dog fired up the jet. And he gets on the jet with Elvis. And they flew across the country to someplace somewhere, probably in Colorado, to eat at this diner. And they opened up, unlocked the diner for him and let him in because he wanted that sandwich. Had it and flew back. And he said that was just how it was with wow. him. Time and space and other people, just none of it meant anything. He did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. And he just said, I just found myself on this jet flight to eat sandwiches halfway across the country at three o'clock in the morning. Okay, let's do it. Wow. I would, I would like that. I would, I, I would have liked to have gone down to Virginia today, bought myself a 32 Chrysler <laughs> from the Mark Smith collection, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. There was a 29 Stutz he had too, a cabriolet. It was pretty nice too. That was I nice. liked that car. That was nice. Yeah. There, was, there was a, a Nash that was really cool there today. One off. Nash. Ooh. I mean, nobody thinks anything of a Nash, but it had disc wheels on it. So that was really cool. He had a little car called a 1913 Peugeot Baby or BB? BB. Yeah. So, what is that? So I just bought one. Oh, tell so us that, about that. So that car was designed by um, Bugatti and, oh. and before Bugatti went into business. So uh, that was okay. a, a Bugatti design car. It has about, I don't know, 18 horsepower. Um, it's a very small little tiny car. But Was it road legal? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. So Peugeot BB, and that so that was a racing one that he had that had a race body on it, and that's that was actually the last car in the sale today. These are great little uh, living room cars. So this car will go uh, probably in the barn somewhere in the studio here. <laughs> So, so Jay, we've got some hats and some swag from Talking Classic Cars now, and it's time to give away some of that swag to our listeners. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So Talking Classic Cars is legit. Thanks to Matt and his beautiful design work, we have a logo, which we now have on a hat and a shirt. And we thought, why don't we share some of this goodness with our listeners? So if you've got a great question for Wayne or me or both of us about cars, chasing classic cars, talking classic cars, whatever about cars, let us know. So send your ideas and questions to hello at talkingclassiccars.com. And if we pick your question and read it on the air, we will send you a brand new Talking Classic Cars hat. How does that sound? Yeah, well, I think that's a great idea. And if you got a Mercedes question, Make sure that Matt gets the Mercedes question because we don't know that much about Mercedes as much, especially as, as Matt does. So. so here's behind the scenes, chasing classic cars. 
So oh, yeah. I, I don't know if everybody remembers, but um, I was I went to Chicago to buy a Lamborghini Miura. A postman had gotten friendly with the guy he was delivering mail to, and in the basement garage was a Lamborghini Miura. And so he said he he would show it to me. So I went with the cameras. We asked permission. He didn't know the cameras were coming, so we had to ask permission when he walked out if we could film. And he said, "Yeah, it's okay." And he didn't know what the show was. He didn't know anything about it. But, and he opened the door, and there were bifold doors in this garage. And he, we had to push them apart. And there's this Miura sitting on cinder blocks with the wheels off of it. So now I want to buy the car. And he says, no, there's only one guy in the world that can afford to buy this car. And I said, who's that? He says, Jay Leno. I said, well, I know Jay, and he's got a couple of these. And I don't think he wants another one. Oh, no, I'm telling you, he's the guy. He's the only guy that will buy this car. I said, well, let's call him up and find out. So I called Jay. Jay gets on the phone and I said, Jay, this is Jay. I, I'm here to buy this Miura. Jay, do you want another one? No, I don't want another one. We'll tell this guy. So he gets on the phone. He, I see him talking to Jay and he's waving his head up and down. And he hands the phone back to me. And I, and I say, well, thanks a lot, Jay. And I hang the phone up and he says, that wasn't Jay Leno. I, <laughs> come on. You, you should have done FaceTime. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So now he says, how do I watch your TV show that this is going to be on? I said, well, you got to have cable or a satellite dish. And I look up on his house and he's got this satellite dish. I said, see, you got a satellite. You can watch it. He says, no, no, I, I built that because I wanted to keep up with the neighbors. He says, they all got these satellite dishes on the house. So I just sort of threw this together with some metal I had. And it's, it's, it's a fake. And it really was a fake satellite dish on his house. Wow. I've never heard of that. So I said, I said, well, I could send you DVDs would you like to watch the show? And he says, yeah, I don't have a DVD player though. I said, I'll send you a DVD player. So I sent him a player, I sent him the DVDs. Well, now he's watched like seven seasons of Chasing Classic Cards and he calls me, he says, that's a really good show. How do I watch more? I said, well, you get cable. Well, I'm not paying those. I'm not gonna do that. I said, okay, wonder if I gave you cable, Jay, to watch. Would that be okay? So I bought him cable. I had it installed. And every month we'd get the cable bill. And my wife would go, why are we getting a paid cable bill from a guy in Chicago? I said, don't worry, honey, it's going to pay off. This guy, I'm going to buy his Lamborghini. He, had, he hadn't sold you the car yet. No, I'm trying, okay. to, I'm trying to keep in his good graces. You're still dating. You're still right? dating. I'm still dating, right? Okay, okay. So two years we pay for the cable. And I don't hear a word from him. I try calling him, nothing. Well, I go out to California to the Quail show. And I walk it through the show and I look and there's the Lamborghini. It didn't happen. You know, you can't win them all, but yet it's so cool to know that it's in the family. I didn't miss it to another car dealer or another collector or something like that. I lost it to a family member and it can't, can't go any better than that. What's also cool about this is that he thinks the same way I do. Don't restore it. Just leave it, preserve it, enjoy it for what it is. Don't try to make it a trailer queen or a show trophy queen or something like that. Just enjoy it for what it is. And, and these cars, that car's got such a great story going from General Motors who tried to figure out what Lamborg Lamborghini was doing with a Miura with a transverse engine and then uh, selling it on to somebody else and then finally get it in his family. Wow. But those are the things you do to buy a car, mm. you know? Yeah, you just whatever it takes. Uh, you know, a friend, a friend of mine, and I'll tell real, another quick story. He, he saw this car in Hemmings and he, and he, it was, it was a Packard. So he called the guy and he says, uh, can I see the car? And he says, yeah, 
it's 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 over here in Pennsylvania. So he drives to Pennsylvania and he looks at the car, but the guy won't let him look at the car. He says, "It's it. I don't want anybody to know where it is. So get in the back of my car and put this paper bag over <laughs> your head." So my friend does it. He puts a paper bag over his head because you know he wants the car. He drives right. fifteen minutes and he and they get okay. You can take the paper bag off and in the driveway is this packer. So they make a deal. He buys the car and he says, what do you want it for? He says, I've always wanted this car. I'll never sell it. The guy says, okay, it's yours. So they make the deal. He goes to pick it up. The car is in a different location in a parking lot, like of a Walmart. Puts it on his truck. He brings it home. Well, he he flips cars constantly. So he took a told a little white lie that he would never sell it. Of course, he's going to sell it. So he puts down a Hershey and he gets this guy and he's walking up. Second day in a row, he's walking around the car and he's looking at it and and he says, uh, so where did you, where'd you get this car? He says, I bought it from an old guy, this and that. He comes back with the police. It was a stolen car. The guy had stole it out of his garage 20 years before that. And it had his initials still on the door. Wow. So, the so they cuff my owner. friend. They cuff him and they take him away that he's in possession of a stolen car. Oh did it have a title? I don't know the whole story. Yeah. But, he, you know, they, they released him because he told them the guy's phone number and stuff. They went to the guy's house. He had like five more stolen cars in his garage. He was stealing. Well, no wonder he wanted the bag over the right. head. It's because right. he didn't want people right. over. So, so it just proves we'll do anything to buy a car. Let me tell you about hot titles. Did you read this week what happened with Carvana? No. Oh, this is a good one. This guy saves up his money. He's a military guy. Decides to buy his wife. Uh, what's the new Maserati um, SUV called? Levante? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. So he goes to buy his wife a Levante and he finds the perfect one on Carvana. It's a 2021 model, black on black. He says, yep, I'll take it. Buys it. He's excited. He drives the brand new Levante, gives it to his wife, takes it to the dealer to get it serviced. And they run the VIN and they say, that's that's weird. I don't think this is this is not the same vehicle as the VIN. So what are you talking about? He says, look underneath the car. He says, this is a 2017 model, but you got a 2021 VIN on it. So it doesn't make any sense. Somebody had stolen or somebody had sold a 2017 Levante as a 2021 with a fake VIN number. Carvana bought it and somehow never figured <laughs> out and then sold it to this wow. guy. And, and he calls Carvana and he says, hey, guys, I, 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 something's not right here. And they said, well, you know, we, oh, you know, we don't know what to do. What do you want to do? We'll give you $1,000 towards another car purchase if you bring it back. He says, uh-uh, no, no, no. And they were on his case about not making his payments or something. And so it turned into a way bigger wow. deal. But they've got a lot of egg on their face right now from that. We we, we had a Ferrari Mondial come in and it needed a steering rack. So we called Ferrari and we and they wanted a serial number of the local dealer, Algar, that we were dealing with. And and they called me back and said, that can't be. That's not a Mondial. So the, the seven was turned into a nine. And come to find out if it was a seven on there, it was it was a, it was a Mondial and it was stolen like five years before. And and so they said, don't do anything. And the local police showed up in like 15 minutes mm -hmm. and they said, OK, we're impounding this car. The government says this is a stolen car and stuff. And it was it was a stolen car. And they changed the seven into a nine very easily. So, wow. yeah. Who would steal a Mondial? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 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 but there's all sorts. Of, we could do, we could go into this for a long time. I mean, you know, all sorts of things oh. can happen. That's for sure. When you do your due diligence, you, you still can't be a hundred percent. You know, yeah. feel that it's a, it's a hundred percent. Especially, you can do a with a Carfax now. Carfax has been a wonderful thing because you can run a Carfax on it. But now, uh, with the older ones, let's say there's six or seven digits, 
There's no Carfax for that. You just have to run a paper trail. Yeah. Perfect example is this Austin Healy I bought. The VIN number is actually, they took the body number off the off the firewall. It's the body number. I'm mm-hmm. thinking that's that's not actually the the VIN, the serial number of the car is a different number, which is missing on my car. That data plate had fallen off. So they just took the little body. Oh, there you go. There's the VIN. You know, they don't yeah. know. Well, back in the 30s, you know, cars were registered with the engine number. There was no VIN number for the car. It was the engine number that you used. And so- Right. That, and then when the engine mm, gets swapped- Engine mm. gets swapped and the car gets, you know, what, whatever. So you go to re- register it again and they say, well, we're, here's the title or here's the reg, but it's a different engine number now. What's going on? So oh, yeah, it's all sorts of problems can happen, but you, uh, that's part of the business of being in the business. That's right. Well, we've managed to do it again. We've managed to use up a whole hour of really fun time talking about classic cars once again. And I cannot believe how it flew by. Join us again next week when we're going to have a guest back and you will not want to miss this one. But until then, keep it safe, keep it on the road, and we'll see you down the line. See you, Jay. See you, Matt. See you guys. All right. See you, Wayne.